Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Melinda and I having a chat today, uh, a quick Q&A and a little bit more information. Yeah, welcome back everybody. We've got some a number of questions that have been emailed in. Thank you everybody for your questions. Sorry if we are not answering your question today. Hopefully we'll be able to stockpile some questions and um, and pick a few more for the next episode. But what we've tried to do is pick some of the most relevant questions um, that people have sent in just to try and answer as many of those and select a broad range of queries that have come in from our podcast listeners. So again, we appreciate you um, sending those questions in. And for future episodes, if you do have those questions, you are welcome to email them to info at streamlineproperty.com.au. So I guess like I normally do, or occasionally anyway, a little bit of a weather update just to tease all those people in the southern states. Um, Beautiful sort of uh, winter's day up here in Brisbane. I think it's around 22, 23 degrees. So uh, sport rotten again we are with the weather so that's a little teaser for you to buy property up this way I guess. I think that's why so many people have been relocating recently into southeast Queensland. I mean a beautiful winter's day, crisp morning but um, who wouldn't want to you know be outside where there's beautiful blue sky and sunshine and um, sitting in a warm spot out of the breeze um, you almost have to take your sweater off it's great. So if we if we start before we jump into the questions um, you've been to a conference recently Melinda can you give us a little bit of an update and some probably some key takeaways from the conference. Yeah, so ARIC, um, big Australian real estate conference was held on the Gold Coast across two days, Sunday and Monday just past. Um, some big names in attendance, obviously with the lockdown in Melbourne, there were a few people missing that otherwise would have been there. They had to join virtually, but you know, the likes of Tom Panos, um, John McGrath, Gary V even joined us via video conference and the one that we were all waiting for, Elle McPherson, not in person, but via video conference. Um, Some amazing speakers, some really good takeaways. And probably for me, one of the biggest takeaways, um, obviously this is a conference for real estate professionals, but one of the biggest takeaways, um, and it is what we feel in our business, that the real estate industry is not about property, it's about people. And, you know, I couldn't um agree with that statement more basically i feel that you know we're not buying houses we're buying homes for people Um, we're not buying investment properties we're building wealth for people and i think if that's the mindset that you go in um when you are considering property as as a home or as a, a vehicle to build wealth it is really about you it's about lifestyle it's about creating memories um, it is about the people, and that's probably the the thing that I took away. It is the key takeaway that I wrote down, anyway. Yeah, so I think I think that probably touches on when people start to use our service as well. Um, you know, they, to take away that emotion and how people get caught up emotionally, whether it's buying a home or even even a lot of investors can get caught up in the emotion side of it. Um, there really needs to be that strategy and understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and why you're using that. As you said, the the property for the vehicle to create that wealth and to set you up as well. Um, I I guess one other thing I know you mentioned was about being humble. um, And and again, just without the flash cars and all that sort of thing, but, you know, helping the people on that journey, buying the homes and and also the properties for investing. Yeah, I think the real estate industry, certainly, you know, there's a lot of 
um, participants within the industry that do drive the flash cars, that do wear the fancy suits, that, um, you know, are what others might imagine as a typical um, real estate professional. Um, however, you know, there's many in the industry, uh, much like ourselves, who are just ordinary people out there doing the best we can for the benefit of others. And um, I think that if the focus is on the people, not the um, the product, not the, the house itself, then, you know, the right results will come. So a, a quick couple of questions then. Let's jump into it. Um, the first one from Matthew from Perth. Yeah, so Matthew sent a very quick question. Are buyer's agents fees tax deductible? Yeah, so um, this is a question that actually we do get asked a lot in our own inquiry. Obviously, um, there's two types of properties um, that we would buy, especially when we're considering residential property. One is a home and another is an investment property. So I'll just touch on buying a home first and foremost. Now, when you are buying a home, the answer to the question is no buyer's agent's fees are not tax deductible when you are engaging a buyer's agent to facilitate the purchase of a home. So that just becomes a purchase expense for you as the home buyer. Of course, you know, there's benefits associated um, with using the services of a buyer's agent in the event that you do need to source a home um, and you need to weigh up the benefits versus the value that um, and, and the cost, of course. So, um, in the event you are a property investor, the buyer's agent fee in that instance is treated in a slightly different way. It is not a tax deductible expense um, in the very first financial year, so you don't get to write it off immediately. However, it does become a cost that is added to the purchase cost. It becomes part of your cost base. And what that means is that in the event that you sell in the future, you don't pay any capital gains tax on the um, amount that you have paid towards the buyer's agent fee. So it does become part of your cost base. It's treated in the same way that stamp duty is treated. Um, so there are some slight tax advantages associated with it when you are a property investor. So Matthew, I hope that's answered your question. So the next one probably jumps onto my field a little bit. Um, Amy from Brisbane, um, she's thrown in a question about renovation, I believe. Yeah, so Amy has said, my husband and I, are looking at to add value to um, our property. How do we choose a builder to work with? Yeah, good question. Probably, look, there's a couple of things you probably want to do. Ask them just for ideas of um, previous jobs that they've done. If they've got any references, they can give you to have a chat to. Um, the other thing you can do, which is really, really simple, is if you go to the um, QBCC homepage, there's also a license search section on that. Once you go to the license search, this is all free. You can do this search. Um, you just literally put the name in or the company's name in, if you know those, um, and you can just do a quick search on it. You click on the history. Um, it'll bring up the complete history of the uh, of the license holder, um, and that builder um, will show all the history, any uh, demerit points, any infringements, anything that's on there, it will always be there. You can't get it taken off. Um, if it's a company, then they will have a nominee. So the person who is the nominee will be the license holder of that company. Um, you can do a double search on them if you want. <laughs> do a search on them, their own license, and also um, the company's license as well. It's a good one to do to make sure you can just see what their history is like, to see if they've had any defective work that they haven't gone back and fixed. 
um, and whether they've been fined for anything like that, just to have a look as well. Yeah, I think that um, that's a really important thing for anybody to do. You know, if you're working with a builder, regardless of what industry that they're in, it's really important to understand are they, you know, do they provide quality workmanship um, and you can do a license search Scott mentioned QBCC, that's the Queensland Building and Construction Commission. And this is specifically talking about renovating a home here in Brisbane. Um, and definitely, you know, there should be alarm bells if you see any defective workmanship um, that's being noted on their licence class, because that indicates that um, they haven't looked after people. You know, obviously that there's been some incident, um, they've been reported for defective work and they haven't rectified that. That's the only way that it gets recorded on a licence. Yeah, they will have little things like if they haven't paid their fees in time, there could be a, a note on there that they hadn't paid their licence fees in time. Um, that could be minor, could be could mean they don't handle their books very well too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's that defective work. If they haven't done the work, if they haven't attended to it, and even if they had an instruction to do it and they haven't attended again, uh, I'd be probably a little bit cautious on that one. Um, yeah. That's probably ringing alarm bells for me as well. It definitely tells you the integrity of the, the person or the builder, but it also um, tells you that there's risk associated with selecting that builder. So um, aim for someone who has an absolutely squeaky clean license history and obviously um, really good track record with others that they have completed those renovation works with. Um, the testimonial from others is probably the greatest uh, resource that you can rely on. Everybody's going to blow their own horn effectively. They're going to, you know, tell you that they're great and they're going to show you great photos of their workmanship. Um, but do that um, history license check and also talk to some of their previous clients to get an understanding of what is their follow-up um, and are they actually, um, do they operate with integrity within the industry? So the next question moving along from Jonathan in Brisbane. Um, Jonathan's asked, we hear some buyers agents are still buying a high number of properties off market in Brisbane right now. What percentage of properties are likely to sell off market at the moment? It's a great question, actually. Um, Let me just explain what's happening here in Brisbane. And I think we're pretty clear weekly in terms of what's happening on the ground. So there's a huge, huge, huge number of buyers in the market actively looking to buy. And there's very few sellers that are listing um, their properties online. So anything that does come onto the major real estate portals, um, everything will have multiple buyers if it's in, you know, a, a good location. Even properties on main roads at the moment seem to have multiple buyers. So everything is selling. Now, sellers are not silly. Sellers are not hiding, you know, under the bed. They actually know what's happening out in the market. In most cases, um, we still, as buyers agents, get to see properties that are off market. We get to see them in that pre-market space. Potentially, um, they have, the agent has listed a property, but it's not yet appearing in the online Um, searches. So it's not on realestate.com and it's not on domain, uh, but they're in that phase where they're preparing the property to list it online. Now in that phase, quite often as buyers agents, we do get to preview a property, we get to go through the property. Now the only thing that will stop that property from going to market is a knockout bid. It is when you are willing to pay enough to stop that property going to market. Now that's not a bargain price because as I mentioned, sellers are not silly. So in the event that you're wanting to buy without competition, you can still do that off market in Brisbane. However, you actually have to pay um, something that's attractive enough 
to the seller to stop that from being listed. So it's definitely something to keep in mind. I know that there's, you know, a lot of people advertise how how much they're buying off market. And look, we buy off market as well. It's not something that we rely on um, as part of our advertising message because, you know, we know what it takes to buy off market. And when you've got an extremely motivated buyer who's willing to, you know, throw a lot at a property because they don't want to miss out and they don't want to compete with other buyers, then of course, there's the opportunity to move quickly in the event that the seller's um, willing to entertain an offer prior. But look, some sellers just will always um, take the property to the market, regardless of what they, you know, what offers they might receive prior to the market as well. Yeah, I think there's there's occasional times, and it's, it's not a lot, that people will want to sell off market, whether it's for privacy reasons or whatever it may be. So you will get that, and we do get that as well, as Melinda said. But I mean, the other thing is we, you know, previously being involved in property as we've been involved in it for quite a while now and uh, buying and selling and, and watching it. Um, previously, I guess, in years gone by, auctions were never a really big thing. And I was probably never a big fan of them, to be honest. Um, now, I I love auctions. So I think it's a really good way to buy property, providing you can, obviously, and you've got your finances set up and you've done all your work behind the scenes. But you know what the, the underbidder is going to pay. So mm. you know what that next person is going to pay. And if you just get it slightly above them, then you've got it, what we would call market, market value, value. <laughs> um, as opposed to buying it uh, off market sometimes where you've got no idea what the next person would have paid for. So have you paid too much? Uh, are your valves going to stack up? All those sorts of things are something you've really got to consider and weigh up that um, so-called opportunity for off markets. Um, I think it's something just to be cautious of as well. And that's obviously, you know, it's risk versus reward. And if it is the perfect property in the perfect location and you're a home buyer and you've been waiting to buy on that street, then of course there's emotional drivers as to why you might want to, you know, pay whatever it takes to secure that property and potentially eliminate any competition. Um, of course, if you're an investor, there's an analysis that needs to take place to determine whether uh, you might actually pick up that property at a slightly lower amount if it is listed because for what you have to pay to stop that that agent or that that vendor from listing the property might be more than what it would otherwise achieve on market so it's definitely something to keep in mind when you're looking at you know buying off market and it's something that we would always discuss with our clients risk versus reward just be careful of the marketing campaign <laughs> and when a lot of people are telling you we buy 50 percent or whatever percentage it may be of off markets um, it's a marketing campaign to probably get you interested. So just be careful of that. Be cautious. Ask the questions and do your research when you're looking for some from some help, especially from buyers agents like us. Um, ask questions. Ask others. Talk to others. Do your research and make sure you understand you're getting the right service for what you actually want yourself. Absolutely. We've got another question here. Another Brisbane um property buyer, Jennifer here, um, she said the sales agent recently supplied us with a copy of a building and pest report. Can we rely on this or should we get our own independent building and pest report completed? I guess that's another building question. So I'll, I'll jump in on that one. Um, look, Jennifer, um, look, the building and pest reports are done by independents. So every they are licensed, um, their license goes on it. If they do anything wrong, then they could lose their license straight away. So they are an independent report and you can rely on them, providing you understand them. That's probably the biggest thing is understanding what they're talking about. Um, I've, I see building and pest reports. If I haven't seen the property, I'm a little bit hesitant because I like to actually visually see the property myself because I can understand it and I know what it's 
what they're actually talking about. Um, the reports will vary. You'll get some reports that have no photos whatsoever. So you really have to understand what they're talking about when they uh, write the report. Sometimes you can ring the uh, in inspector as well. Sometimes they allow you to ring them and have a chat. Um, the ones with lots of photos, I like them because it's uh, photo can really open up that picture. And when you read the, the text about the photo, you can understand it a little bit more. To the extent, again, that's something you really have to understand by going to have a look at it. Um, yeah, they can be relied on. Is it a good idea to get your own? Possibly. <laughs> uh, I never say no um, to that. I always say to people, look, you, you can rely on them. Again, I would want to have a look at it myself. And that's what we do with our clients is if we get it, I will always go and probably inspect that property anyway, um, because I've seen the report. I know what it is. I'll go and have a walk through at the open and I look at the things that they've been talking about. Uh, I actually went to one last weekend. Um, client interested in a property and in the building and pest report, there was some termite damage. So I actually went there. I, during the open, I managed to climb in under the house, up into the sort of roof area a little bit. Um, I could actually trace where the damage was and I got an understanding about that. Um, and I realized then the extent of, of what it was so I could actually report back to our client. So yes, you can rely on them, but you really need to know what you're talking about. And um, I would probably recommend having someone to help you through that if you don't know what you're talking about. I hope that made sense. Yeah, it comes down to interpreting the report. You know, it's not just receiving the report, it's understanding the report and potentially you know, if you don't understand the report, engaging someone that can actually provide some advice to help you understand that report. Um, and if you don't understand that, or if you don't have the capacity to get someone to assist, you know, potentially protecting yourself with another building and pest inspection um, could be the way to go so that you've got someone that can provide that guidance that has physically been at the property and, um, and helped you to understand any issues that have become apparent. You'll probably find most auctions, they will supply a building and pest. Other, um, whether it's sale by negotiation or however else they're selling the property, they might not do that. Um, but again, building and pests for auctions, generally they are supplied. Um, so yeah, have a look through them. Make sure you understand them. I would recommend it for any seller, to be honest. If someone's selling a property, I always would highly recommend doing a, uh, a building and pest anyway and supply that as well. So the next question is from James, who is based down in Melbourne. Um, and it relates to auctions as well. So James has said, I'm based in Melbourne and our agent has um, our agents provide a price guide for properties that are listed for sale by auction. I've noticed that this is not the case in Brisbane. Why can't they provide a price guide for buyers? Now, this is actually really interesting because I was um, bidding at an auction just last weekend on Saturday. Um, I believe there were about 24 registered bidders on the property at the time. Now, what we noticed, and it was very obvious to us, is that not long after the bidding started, a number of bidders actually walked out. They actually left the auction. They didn't even stay to see what the property sold for. And, you know, the assumption that was made in that instance was that they were buyers that really didn't understand what the property would sell for and they really were blown away after the opening bid and realised at that point that they had no chance of purchasing the property and they left. So we do see that happen a lot, Scott. Mm, we do see a lot where you go to an auction and there could be, I think there was last week, I went to one in the morning, it was a fresh one, eight o'clock in the morning. Uh, I think there was 14 
was that correct? 14 registered? Correct, yep. And I think only three actually got a bid in. Uh, two two buyers, there were three bids in total, Yeah, correct. three bids in total too, you know, so obviously when, when people understand the market and, and the buyer there knew the market, so put in a good strong bid, knew what it was worth, uh, and it just knocked everyone away because they obviously didn't understand you can't go to an auction these days. Well, I don't think you can go to an auction. This is my view uh, in the current market and and bag a bargain. There's, there's not no. a you don't bag bargains at the moment. You buy property for what it's worth. Um, this idea of going there and just trying to get a, a low bid in and try and snag it. Well, um, good luck. Um, it's not happening. And and if if you do, I'd be worried about where you're buying um, if you don't have that competition as well. So you've really got to do your homework. You've got to understand what the value is and what everyone will see the value as and go in there understanding that when you go into a market, you can't rely on anything from a real estate agent because they won't give it to you with an auction up here in Queensland. In fact, it is illegal for um, a sales agent to provide price guidance for an auction campaign in Queensland under our legislation. So it is very different, James, to what you're experiencing in Melbourne. And I know, you know, we're assisting um, with a third party buyer's agent in Melbourne, um, one of our clients, um, a past client of ours is looking to buy in Melbourne and um, just in communications with him, he's finding that process quite different because, you know, it's so much more transparent going into an auction when you're looking at properties in Melbourne compared to what it was like here in Brisbane. So, yeah, it's not the same all around Australia. Every state has its own legislation and its own um, process in terms of buying property and it's very important that as a buyer you are aware of that process so that you're not left in the dark. And that's if it does go to auction too by the way just be wary of that at the moment you will see properties um, we were involved with a negotiation recently property was going to auction um, yet did sold before auction so it happens a lot. Be, be wary of that you need to be able to talk to the agent and understand is it definitely going to auction because if they get offers that are auction conditioned um, as in cash and unconditional, then there's a good chance they might actually sell it um, because properties are selling. So, And actually, just off the back of that, I do want to highlight um, one of the agents I was talking to on Saturday at a third auction that um, I was attending said that he had some concerns because he lost two or three buyers throughout the campaign. And that was a four-week auction campaign. And this is what's happening as well. Uh, we're seeing, we're starting to see some agents shorten the auction campaign in Brisbane because buyers do have FOMO. And even if they like a property, they don't want to put all their eggs in one basket. So what happens if something comes up that is a property that is of interest during a four-week auction campaign, quite often buyers will jump at the, the, the first property that might be listed by private treaty, which means it'll sell after the first open home. Um, and if they secure that, then they're no longer there to bid at the auction, which is a four-week campaign. Agents are very aware of this, and it's something we're talking to agents about um, when we are out and about on weekends. Um, and in fact, the auction that we attended at 8am on Saturday morning was an auction that was brought forward um, and potentially for that reason that the agent did not want to lose any of the buyers that had expressed interest in that property because the longer the campaign, the more likely that buyers are, you know, to drop off. In a, in a past markets, the longer the campaign, the more buyers you're likely to get. So it's a very interesting turn of events. Was that a one or a two-week campaign? You know, I know it brought forward. I think it was a two. It brought shortened it to a two-week campaign. Correct. And yeah. there's one I went to actually another open. Um, as you can tell, we're out and about on weekends, auctions, opens. Uh, I went to an open myself the other day on Saturday, first open. Um, it's actually auctioned next weekend. Um, mm. So again, two-week campaign, really short and sharp um, and keeping those 
interested buyers really close um, because there are people, as you said, people missing out and they're getting desperate. So they um, they want to grab something as quick as possible. So agents don't want to lose those buyers. And it brings us back to being finance ready because you cannot bid an auction um, unless you are finance ready. And it'll be very difficult to get finance ready to bid at auction um, within two weeks. So you need to be ready to jump because um, auction campaigns are being shortened here in Brisbane. So uh, another question, last one actually um, for today, because we'll wrap it after this, um, from Donna in Sydney. Um, it's an interesting question, Donna, uh, if I had a crystal ball for this one, um, but she's asked with the growth um, to date in Brisbane, is now still a good time to buy in Brisbane? Yeah. How many um, times do we get asked this question yeah. every week from New Leeds? Daily, I think. <laughs> I know. It's... Um, it's hard to um, for others who are not out on the ground all of the time to understand what's really going on. If you're looking at the data and trying to make assumptions based on citywide data in Brisbane at the moment, you will be really confused and potentially a bit left behind because, you know, the most recent data did come out yesterday, uh, being the 1st of June, uh, and it did show further price growth, 2% um, in dwelling values across Brisbane as a whole. But we do know that the housing market um, was a lot higher than the unit market. So we'll get into that in our next market update. Um, but we've just had, um, as we talked about last week, Pauline um, has done this amazing spreadsheet down to a suburb level. And we know for sure that some little pockets are performing a lot better than others. But what we are seeing is that what we were seeing on the ground two months ago is now coming through in the data. And what we're seeing now on the ground will come through in the data in two months' time. So we're ahead of the data simply because we are out on the ground. And let me tell you this, in the areas that we're quite active in, and this is um, a lot of parts within the Brisbane City Council region and select locations within the southern parts of Moreton Bay, there are too many buyers um, to see any slowdown in capital growth at this point in time. We are still seeing lineups at open homes. Um, we are still seeing multiple offers on every single property that we are buying for our clients. And we are still seeing multiple registered bidders at every auction that we attend. So every time a property sells, there are a number of buyers that are missing out and it seems every time somebody misses out they get hungrier and they stretch that little bit more you know with the next purchase based on that the demand for property is still significantly exceeding the supply of available properties for sale and whilst we're still seeing such an imbalance between supply and demand we will continue to see price growth no one can know with certainty how long this will continue but right now, based on what we are seeing on the ground, there is no price slowdown in Brisbane. So I guess for me to sum that up, <laughs> in the right pockets, yes, it is. Correct. And we don't <laughs> we don't have our team, you know, spread all from the Gold Coast through to the Sunshine Coast. We're not, you know, that widely spread geographically. We are quite concentrated in and around um, the Brisbane city and we don't sort of head all the way out to Ipswich or down to Logan either. So the information that we're sharing with you is relevant to the areas that we are very active in and they are areas that are close in towards that CBD. Yeah, I, I think, look, in, in, a, in a nutshell there, look, what we're seeing and the amount of people that are still out and about at Opens and multi-offers, things like that, that demand is high, as Melinda said. Um, whilst we're seeing that, it's still a strong market. 
Some agents are talking to us about more properties might be coming to the market soon. Well, let's hope so. Um, we haven't seen it quite yet, but let's hope so maybe towards the end of the financial year maybe or early in the next financial year, but um, let's hope that does increase a little bit. The buyers are still there. It's still strong. Um, and you look, I can't, we can't see it really slowing down just yet. Um, there's a lot of infrastructure. There's a lot happening. Um, as we've mentioned a few times, if you fast forward and we do get the 2032 Olympics, well, again, that could just change Brisbane even more. So there's a lot of things happening behind the scenes in the local councils and the, and the governments, up the state government side of things, um, and even federal government for, for Queensland and Brisbane as well. So, yeah, look, there's a lot of things happening uh, forecast-wise. Donna, I think um, it's pretty, pretty positive from our side of it. Yeah, so is now a good time to buy? Um, look, as long as you're prepared to, you know, be patient and um, potentially miss a couple of properties due to the competition, um, it's better to buy yesterday than it is to buy tomorrow. So the right time to buy is when you are ready to do so. Um, we don't see the market slowing down in the immediate future. Obviously, when we're starting to see those indicators on the ground, we will talk, um, talk to that um, through this podcast in, in the months ahead. I guess the other thing is vacancy rates. Yeah, so vacancy rates are extremely tight, of course, in Brisbane as well. So, you know, we don't see um, any significant risk in that rental market. I know investment properties that people are buying um, are being rented very quickly and strong rents are being achieved generally across the board as well. I will mention, um, and this will come through in our market update in a couple of weeks as well, that the top end of the market in Brisbane is definitely leading the growth. It is growing at a much faster rate than the low end of the market. And when we're looking at Brisbane data from CoreLogic, remember we're looking at data that's all of Greater Brisbane. Um, it's a huge geographical location. So, you know, what we're talking to is that top end of the market where we are saturated around the inner city locations. The middle part of the market is also very strong. Bottom end of the market in Brisbane, it's not really a market that we deal in as much. So we can't really comment about the demand in areas outside of our core locations. Can you give us an idea just for the people down south when we talk about, I know previous podcasts, we've talked about median prices and things like that, and you can't buy for 500,000 in Brisbane and whatever else. Can you just give us a rough idea of numbers when you talk about that middle price bracket and the top price bracket? Just roughly what sort of numbers are these people looking at if they're looking to invest in those areas? Well, I think if you're looking at, you know, Brisbane, in the housing market now, the median value for greater Brisbane is $641,000. That's the median value, the middle score. Um, but that's all of Greater Brisbane. So we often get inquiry and people say, well, I want to buy, you know, I've got a budget of 600000 but I want to buy in the Brisbane City Council region. Now, the Brisbane City Council region is the most expensive part of Greater Brisbane, and that's a really tough budget to work with in the Brisbane City Council region in some pockets, depending on where you're wanting to buy. And we've got to then consider other investment drivers. But when you're looking at um, either Logan, Ipswich, Redlands or Moreton Bay, as you move away from the CBD, because land becomes less scarce, um, the value of that land decreases. Um, and even though you may get a slightly newer house on the land, generally property prices are lower. So, you know, that's what that draws the, the value of property to a lower price point, if you like. So, you know, we'll break down in a future episode the median values within each local government area to help buyers really understand what they need to budget when they're purchasing in Brisbane City Council or Moreton Bay or Redlands or Ipswich or Logan because it's very, very different. And I think that that median data 
across the whole region can often confuse people, especially through our inquiry, we're seeing that. Cool. Okay. Well, thank you very much for all the questions, everyone. I hope that helped. Um, feel free to shoot any more questions in for future episodes. Um, I'll let Melinda wrap it up as usual. And um, we will talk again next week from sunny Brisbane. So thanks very much. Enjoy your week. Uh, take care and bye for now. Thanks for joining us again. And as always, please share this podcast with your friends and family. Tell them all about the great um, information that we do share on a weekly basis. Um, as always, we would love for you also to leave us a review and a five-star rating if you are enjoying the information that we share. Enjoy the rest of your week and we'll speak to you again soon. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.